1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 14 is where we will start. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 14. And we will read down through verse 16. These are familiar verses for most of us. Um, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. And for those who don't know, chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians is all about authority. That's, that's what the whole chapter is about. It's about understanding authority. He begins this chapter by saying, be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And then he begins to talk about how that um, the, the, the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man. And he's, he's, he's dealing here with authority and a chain of command that God has established. And then he gets down here uh, as a symbol of authority, as a point uh, in this whole lesson on authority uh, to verse number 14. And that's where we call your attention tonight where Paul asks this question, doth not even nature itself teach you? Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. Now, Again, don't, don't prejudge my message tonight by these verses. And furthermore, just in case I forget to deal with it in the course of the lesson, let me just explain verse 16 to those who don't understand it. Paul is not saying that if you want to be contentious about it, you don't have to obey what I just wrote. That's right. Praise God. What he's saying is we have no such custom as being contentious. That's what he's saying. and You can read it in several other translations and see for yourself that what Paul is saying is that within the church of God, we should not try to contend for our own opinions. But we need, we need to have uniformity among us. And he says this is the standard in the church of God. Because even nature teaches us that a man ought to keep his hair short and a woman ought to keep hers long. That's what nature teaches us. Amen. Praise God. So tonight, tonight I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you about displaying the distinction. Displaying the distinction. Would you... Put your Bibles down and let's pray together, everyone. I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. Amen. I, I want us to talk to the Lord. I want us to ask God to help us to open our hearts. Amen. Let's everybody talk to the Lord right now. spirit for many days now, God. God, we need you, Jesus. And I pray, God, you'd find every spirit that would oppose the preaching of the word and let the word of God have free course tonight. We thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, let's worship the Lord together, everybody. Hallelujah. Let's praise him. Come on, let's praise him. Come on, let's praise him. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. I, I want to start out tonight by just um, clarifying, perhaps qualifying some statements that I am about to make. I want everyone to know that I am not making a political speech tonight, but in order to get to where I want to go and feel like I need to go, there are some political or at least one political reference that I need to bring to your remembrance tonight. All right? So 
Everybody with me? I'm not trying to get political here. I, I am not trying to get political. But I do want to remind you tonight that our current president on October the 30th, 2008, before he was elected president for the very first time, he stood before a crowd and announced to them he said, we are only five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. That's what he said. We're only five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Now, I don't know if you really understand what that means. The word fundamental deals with the foundation or the basis of a thing. When we talk about our fundamental beliefs or our fundamental rights, we are going all the way back to the foundation, to what everything is built upon. And he said that we are going to conduct a fundamental transformation. The word transformation you understand, is different from the word restoration. He wasn't saying we're going to return this nation to what it was when it was founded. There's a difference between restoring something and transforming something. The word transformation means to change in form, to change in appearance, to change in structure, or condition, or nature, or character. It means to convert into a different substance. And so what he promised America was that he was going to change the very foundation of this nation. Again, not restore it to what we were when we were founded. He said, I'm going to fundamentally transform it. I'm going to tell you, there were some of us that recognized when he used that phrase that part of this transformation would be a push towards socialism. And we've watched that happen. But I don't know that any of us really understood just how fundamental this transformation would be. Because truly in the last eight years, the America that I grew up in is no more. This is not the country into which I was born. I'm telling you it's a different place. It's a different nation than what it used to be. And truly he has kept his promise. He has fundamentally transformed this country. Amen. It is amazing how far into the gutter the morals of this nation have gone in eight years' time. That's right. I'm telling you, we've gone a long ways down in less than a decade. Praise God. And it is amazing to me. I made mention of this to someone just the other day. But it's amazing to me. It's only been one year since the Supreme Court decided that gay marriage should be legal in our nation. Only one year. And in one year's time, we have gone from gay marriage being legal to forcing us to allow men into women's restrooms. Now that's a big jump in 12 months. Stay with me for a few minutes. I'm going somewhere tonight. Now, now please understand this whole issue. This whole issue that is being dealt with is they are saying that we must not discriminate against transgenders. 
transgenders. Stay with me tonight. Now, now, now look, I want, you to, I want you to recognize tonight that we're not talking about transsexuals, which is bad enough. Some of you don't know the difference. A transsexual is someone who has had a sex change operation. They were born a man, but the doctors have given them surgery to turn them anatomically into a woman. Or vice versa. They've changed the anatomy. That's a transsexual. We're not talking about transsexuals. That's bad enough. What these recent decisions and rulings are dealing with is a group called transgender. What that means is they still have the anatomy they were born with. But they quote unquote identify with a different gender. So though they have a male anatomy, if they say, I identify with women, then you have to count them as a woman. Are you with me? This is how sick this thing is. And, and I, know, I know some of you, some of you perhaps are, are, are participating in the boycott of Target. Um, because Target has been so vocal in their promotion of allowing these transgenders to use whatever restroom they identify with. And uh, if you're not involved in that boycott, I think you might want to consider it. However, there are many other companies that are doing the exact same thing. They just haven't been as vocal about it. So here's where we are, church. Here's where we are. In fact, I was reading an article last night about a woman going into a changing room at Ross's and hearing a deep voice and going to get the manager and out walks a man dressed as a man. And when the manager asked him about it, he said, but I identify as a woman. Didn't matter how he was dressed. He just said he identified that way. Now look, this is sickening for me to even talk about. But I'm going somewhere tonight. And that's bad enough that we've got to deal with this in places of business. But then just a couple of weeks ago, this fundamental transformer issued an edict through the Justice Department that said every public school and every college has got to allow these perverts to go into whatever restroom they choose. I hope you knew that happened. I hope you are aware of the fact that it has been handed down from the government that schools can lose their funding and or be sued if they don't allow some pervert to use the opposite restroom from the one they were born to use. That's, that's in the school districts. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I've read where, uh, in fact, I was reading an article the other day where the superintendent of a school district in Texas came out and said, I don't care what the government says, we're not allowing it in our schools. And I say, thank God. And then I read where uh, uh, the, the governor of Texas said, it's not going to happen in our state. And I've read where others have made that statement. I got to wondering, I wonder, I wonder what's going on right here in Kansas. Specifically what's happening here in Olathe. So I thought I'd just do a quick search and see if they've made any statements from the Olathe School District. What I found shocked me. Because what I found was that way back in the 2014-2015 school year, the Olathe District Schools issued a ruling that they would allow transgenders to use whatever bathroom they wanted. 
This happened long before Obama's edict. Some of you didn't know that was even going on. Right here in Olathe. You know, when I read that, Brother Jared, I was reminded of a message that I preached. In May, in May of 2013, you can go back and find it on the website. When I stood behind this pulpit and warned this congregation, I feel there is a danger coming to the schools. I didn't know that it would only be a matter of months before our own school district said that these perverts can go in whatever restroom they want. Do you understand? Your high school students may be going into locker rooms and showers with people of the opposite sex. Well... You know, God doesn't miss it, does he? When God begins to put a, a, a sense of urgency and warning upon a preacher's heart, it pays us to sit up and take notice. Whether we see what's coming or not, we really ought to pay attention. Because God sees much farther than we do. Now, I want to I ask you something, church. I want to ask you, how... Did we arrive at this point? How did we get to this crazy, mixed up, sick, twisted, disgusting point? How did we get here? In my lifetime, it was a shame and a disgrace. And anybody, anybody that was homosexual we didn't even hear the word transgender. Those people stayed in the closets. They stayed hidden because it was a shame and a disgrace in my lifetime. And now it not only is not a disgrace, but we have got to bow to their wishes. How did we get here? How did we arrive at this place? How? How could we reach a point like this? Now, I said a while ago that we've, we've gone downhill quickly, and I stand by that statement. However, I want to also say to you that there is another side to this coin, and that is, even though we have made this jump quickly in less than 12 months, we didn't arrive at this point quickly. It's been a long process. Whereby we have gradually started accepting more and more of the blurring of the lines of distinction. Are you hearing me? Little by little we have accepted a few things here and there that would blur the lines between men and women. Now, let, let me just, I'm going to throw this out and really doesn't have much to do with what I'm going to say tonight, but I'm going to tell you, there is an agenda behind all of this and the agenda is chaos. That's the agenda. That's what they want. They want total chaos. They, they want absolute lawlessness. That's what they're striving for. They, they don't want anybody to have morals that would shame them away from doing whatever their wicked heart devises. But we've allowed them to get here. Because we have so gradually accepted these minor changes that would blur the lines that God created. 
you know, even in our text. Let's, let's read it again, Brother Jared. Even in our text, it is clear to me. While I'm not specifically at this moment going to deal with the meaning of these verses, I do want to just point out the principle behind these verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verses 14 and 15. Listen to what Paul says. Doth not even nature itself teach Doesn't you? Doesn't even nature teach you? That if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. Uh -huh. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. Uh -huh. For her hair is given her for a covering. Now, now I'm, I'm not going to get into right now what these verses mean specifically. But I do want to say this. It ought to be obvious from reading these two verses that what Paul is telling us is there should be a distinction between men and women. There ought to be a difference between men and women. And it ought to be a visible difference. Because he's saying there's one standard for the men and there's a totally different standard, the exact opposite for women. That's what he said. Now look, Jesus himself confirmed that God wants a distinction. Mark chapter 10 verse 6. Listen to this. It's a simple statement, but listen to what he says. But from the beginning of the creation. From the beginning of the creation. God made them. God made them male and, male and female. In the very beginning, God said there are two sexes. That's it. There's nothing in between. You're either male or you're female and there ought to be a difference between the two. God didn't want them to be the same. God didn't want them to look the same. That's why God didn't create two men in the garden. From the very beginning, God determined that there would be two and that those two should be different. And throughout the scripture, God reiterated through various and sundry laws and statements that he wanted that distinction to be clearly displayed. Stay with me. Deuteronomy 22.5. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. Now, couple things here. First of all, there are those who will take Deuteronomy 22.5 and say, well, you got to throw that out because you don't believe anything else that's in Deuteronomy 22. There are other scriptures in Deuteronomy 22 that you don't still obey. Here's the difference. Look at what it says about what's going on here. All that do so are what? Abomination unto whom? Unto the Lord thy God. Now listen, here's what he says. He says that this practice is hated by God. Now the other things you find in Deuteronomy 22, he doesn't say are abominations to God. And there are many other abominations that are listed in scripture where God said to the Jewish people, this ought to be an abomination to you as a people, such as eating pork. Pork was an abomination to the Jews, but not to God. We're not Jews, but we do serve God. And so if God said he hates something, he said, I'm the Lord, I change not. So if he hated it in Deuteronomy, he hates it in 2016. And here's what he hates. He hates, let's take it in reverse. He hates for a man to put on a woman's garment. God hates that. That's not an alternate lifestyle. That's not transgenderism. That is abomination to God. And if you're a man who wants to identify as a woman, you need to find an altar and pray through until you get your head screwed on straight and understand that God made you a man. Now be proud to be a man. Right. 
So man cannot put on a woman's garment. And neither, he says, a woman shall not wear. Now, do you notice a difference between what he says about the men and what he says about the women? Because for the men, he says, don't put on a woman's garment. But for the women, he doesn't say don't put on a man's garment. He said don't put on what pertains to a man. Don't put on what seems to be manly. Don't put on what would give the appearance of manliness. That's what he said. I, I didn't write the scripture. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. A man cannot put on a woman's garment, but a woman is not to even put on anything that resembles a man's clothing. Well, now, now look, I, I'm, I hate to keep saying this, but I'm going somewhere, so ride with me here tonight. This is not even really my message. All of this is just the introduction. I'm, I'm going somewhere else tonight. But it's going to be a very long introduction and then the meat of the message will be a whole lot more abbreviated, all right? So, so just endure the introduction. But, but I'm talking about how we arrived at a place where America could not only be comfortable with but require that we allow men to dress as women and women to dress as men. How did we reach that point where we're requiring that we allow that now. I will tell you, it's been a gradual process, but we have come little by little to accept the crossing of lines from the way that women look and the way that men look. Slowly, slowly, slowly crossing the line. Do you know, do you, and I, I went back and looked this up because I don't think we realize just how recently women have started wearing pants. I don't think we realize this, this really is a recent thing when you consider the history of mankind. This is, this is what I found that it has only been since the mid-20th century. That's not that long ago. That's about 60 years ago. The mid-20th century that it started becoming common practice for women to put on pants. Prior to that time, it, it was not acceptable to society. In fact, in 1919, there was a woman in Puerto Rico who challenged mainstream society by becoming the first woman in Puerto Rico to wear pants in public. That was in 1919, less than 100 years ago. Now, she was sent to jail for doing it because it was considered to be a crime at that time. It was in the 1960s that women were encouraged to wear pants as a fashion item. And that led to the era of pantsuits and then designer jeans and the gradual erosion of social prohibitions against girls and women wearing trousers in schools, workplaces, and places of worship. It was 1969 when Representative Charlotte Reed from Illinois became the first woman to wear pants in the U.S. Congress. 1969. First time it happened in Congress. Stay with me. Pat Nixon was the first American first lady to wear pants in public. Pat Nixon. That's during my lifetime. 1989, California State Senator Rebecca Morgan became the first woman to wear trousers 
in a U.S. state Senate. And let me tell you this. The first first lady to ever have her portrait done in pants was Hillary Clinton. The first first lady. Up until that time, no first lady in the history of the United States had her picture made in pants. The Clinton presidency wasn't that long ago. Women were not allowed to wear trousers or pants on the U.S. Senate floor until, are you ready for this? 1993. That's the year you were born. I know that because I was buying tickets today, so I had to look up your birthday. It's only... I'm not that great at memory, so I just happen to be dealing with that today. But 1993, the year Jared was born, the year Jared was born, was, was when women were finally allowed to wear pants on the floor of the U.S. Senate. It's been that recent, church. Listen to me. In 2004, the International Skating Union finally allowed women to wear pants. 2004. It was 2012 before the Royal Canadian Mounted Police allowed women to wear pants. 2012. And do you know that up until this very year, female crew members on British Airways were not allowed to wear pants. I'm talking about a change. What has brought us to where we are today? It's been a gradual erosion of a common standard. God said there ought to be a distinction between men and women. But the enemy has done his best to blur that line until he's brought us to a place that now we have people who are having these identity crises. It hasn't been overnight. Same thing is true for women wearing their hair short like a man. Stay with me tonight. Don't get mad at me because I tell you the truth. Historically, women in the West have worn their hair long. There were some exceptions. Young girls, actresses, a few other women would wear their hair short prior to World War I but it was not considered respectable. Any woman who wore her hair short was considered by the general population to be a woman of ill repute. In the mid-1920s, the style of short hair among, on women became a dominant female hairstyle in the West and then began to spread across the world to women who, and I quote, rejected traditional roles. Women who no longer wanted to be seen as women. No, one, no longer wanted women to be forced into one mold. And so this was part of what they did. Same thing is true when it comes to men wearing long hair. Don't you believe for a minute that Jesus had long hair? He did not. And I can prove it from the scriptures. And I will in just a moment. But he did not have long hair. So where did that idea come from? I'll tell you where. During the period called the Renaissance, homosexual artists painted Jesus to look like one of them. It's the truth. Look it up. It's a fact. So they painted him to have long hair, but he didn't have. And I'll prove it. Give me just a moment. But it was not until the 1950s that in our culture, men began wearing long hair. It was in the 1960s that it started becoming popular, especially with the arrival of the Beatles from Great Britain, who, by the way, only had their hair barely over the tops of their ears when they came. And all of America was going crazy because of their long hair when it was barely 
on the top of their ears. But eventually, eventually men began to grow it longer and longer until during that social revolution of the 60s, men decided just to let it grow unchecked. It was a symbol of protest against authority. Listen, I'm telling you that Paul, Paul's the one. Go back and read for me again, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 14 and 15. The New Testament declares for us that there ought to be a clear standard when it comes to the length of our hair. Doth not even nature itself Doesn't teach even nature itself teach us that if a man have, have long if hair, if a man has long hair, it is a, is shame, a shame. It's a shame. It's a shame. This is Bible. This is not cultural values of the 20th century. This is Bible. The Bible, the inspired word of God said it's a shame for a man to grow his hair long. It's a shame. And, read. But if a woman have long if hair. a woman has long hair. It is a glory to a her. glory to her. For her hair is given a her for a woman ought to have long hair because that's her glory. Now, I said I would prove to you that Jesus did not have long hair. It was Paul who was writing this. Does everyone agree? 1 Corinthians 11 was written by Paul. Everyone agrees? How about the rest of you? Does everyone agree? Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 11. I want you to hear what he said just two chapters earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians 9 and 1, he says this. Am I not an Am apostle? Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Am I not free? Have I not seen Have Jesus Christ? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not you my work in the Lord? These are rhetorical questions. The answer to these questions are yes. Is he an apostle? Yes. Is he free? Yes. Has he seen Jesus Christ? Yes. He says that in chapter 9. In chapter 11, he says it's a shame for a man to have long hair. Paul saw Jesus. Would Paul say it's a shame for us to do what Jesus did? Absolutely not. Jesus didn't have long hair. God wanted there to be a distinction between men and women. Listen to me. Listen to me. God wants it to be clearly marked whether we are male or female. And he wants people to be able to recognize it from a distance. He wants people to be able to know it from behind as well as from in front. Are you hearing me? I cannot for the life of me comprehend why it is that some man would want to grow his hair down the middle of his back and when you walk up behind him, you think he might be a woman. Can't figure it out. I can't figure out why a woman would want to cut her hair off and wear a buzz like a man, dress herself in a pair of jeans and you walk up behind and think that's a man and it's not. Why? Why can't you be happy with what God created you to be? And why can't you declare to the world, I am who God made me to be? We ought to be thankful for the gender God gave us. And we ought to dress and act accordingly. Why is there such a... Such a gender identity crisis that men now identify as women and women identify as men regardless of what their anatomy is. Listen to me, listen to me. If you're confused about who you are, the simplest thing you can do is go look at your birth certificate. I don't know of a doctor anywhere that says, ma'am, you've had a baby, but we're going to have to wait to see how it identifies before I can tell you if it's a boy or a girl. Well, I'm telling you the truth tonight. The moment that child comes into the world, you know what it is. If you're confused about it, go ask the doctor. What did you tell my mama when I was born? All right, that I'm going to live and dress and act and talk and walk accordingly. 
I was born a man, I'm going to be a man. I'm going to dress like a man. I'm going to talk like a man. I'm going to act like a man. If you're born a woman, then act like a woman. Dress like a woman. Talk like a woman. Hallelujah. If someone comes up behind me, doesn't know me, Brother Jared, I don't care. If they're 20 feet behind me, I want them to know this is a man right here. Hello? If they're standing off at a distance and they see my wife from the back, I want them to know that's a woman right there. I don't want there to be any question. I want it to be clear. I want to display the distinction that God intended. Well, hallelujah. Now, now, all that's introduction. Now let me get to what's really stirring on my heart. Not only is the world confused about their identity, men wondering if they're women and women wondering if they're men, men dressing like women and women dressing like men, not only is the world confused, but I'm finding out in many apostolic churches, there are people sitting on pews that are evidently confused, not about what gender they are, But there's too many apostolics that want to try to dress like they're not apostolic. They want to try to act like they're not apostolic. Well, you're not quite with me like you were a while ago, but I'm telling you the truth. I'm concerned about what I'm seeing. Thank God we don't have the problem in this church, but I'm telling you it is out there. And the more we go off to meetings and the more that the world becomes smaller and smaller, we're going to see it more and more. But I want New Life Pentecostal Church to understand this. There is a distinction between a saint and a sinner. And I want the whole world to know. I want us to display the distinction gladly. Hallelujah. I, I, I'm telling you, it bothers me. It bothers me that, that we decide our hairstyle based on what Hollywood says is fashionable. Why? Why Hollywood? We're not a part of Hollywood. It's not a part of us. We're from different worlds, Brother Jared. Why do I want to let that determine what I'm supposed to look like? Why do I want to let the world tell me what's fashionable today and so that's the way I'm going to dress myself? Hey, apostolics, I want to tell you, please understand what I'm saying right now, but if you want to know how you ought to look, Sister Regan, stand up. You ladies want to know how you ought to look? Take a good look. You don't have to look to Hollywood to try to determine what you ought to dress like. We're not a part of Hollywood. You ought to let, want to let the world know I'm an apostolic woman. I'm not just a woman, I'm an apostolic woman. That's what you ought to be wanting. And you men ought to want the world to know I'm an apostolic man. I'm not getting my design and my standard from some rock and roller, some drug addict, some movie star. Well, I want to look like the church ought to look. I want to have that clear distinction about me so that anybody anywhere knows exactly who I am. I'm telling the transgender, go look at your birth certificate. And I'm telling the saints, go look at your birth certificate. You're a part, you were born into the kingdom of God. We are not of this world. We may be in it, but we're not of it. We've been born spiritually. 
spiritually. We've been born again. Get out your birth certificate. Find out what you are. Find out what you ought to look like. First Corinthians 6, verses 17 and 18. Wherefore, come out from Wherefore, among them. come out, come out from among them. And be separate. And be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He says here, if you want to call me daddy, you want to call me daddy, and you want me to call you my son? then look like my son. Come out from among them and be different than they are. That's what he said. That's what he said. Hallelujah. Amen. Just as God wants there to be a clear, visible distinction between men and women, so he wants there to be a clear, visible distinction between the church and the world. I've told this story before, but it fits real good. I didn't put it in my notes, but it fits real good, so you're going to have to just stand to listen to it again uh, for the sake of those who haven't heard. But my wife and I, a few years back, it's been some years back, we were at a quote-unquote Christian concert, and uh, uh, as, as we were going out, the uh, the entertainer, the artist, whatever you want to call him, was standing there, and he was signing uh, pictures and greeting folks and what have you. And And as my wife and I walked past, he stopped us and said, Y'all are apostolic, aren't you? I, I smiled and said, how did you know? He said, you just got that look about you. Now listen, I'm not throwing stones at anybody, but I can promise there were probably 2,000, 2,500 people there at that concert that night. I doubt seriously he stopped anybody and said, you're a Baptist, aren't you? You're a Methodist, aren't you? But he did know us. And you know what? That's the way I want it to be. When this world is looking for somebody that knows how to touch God, they're going to look for apostolics. And I want them to know I am one of them. I don't want there to be any question. I don't want there to be any doubt. I want them to be able to look at me and know full well who I am. All right, all right, I promised you the meat of the message would not be as long, and I'm, I'm going to keep my promise tonight, but I didn't say that it would be non-existent, so you got to give me a couple more minutes anyhow. Hallelujah. Now, look, anytime we get to preaching about outward holiness standards, somebody always says, well, God looks on the heart. Well, you know, let's, let's look at that verse of Scripture for just a minute because you are misapplying the Word of God. 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7. But the Lord said unto the Lord Samuel, said unto Samuel look, not on his look not on his countenance. Nor on the height look of his not statue. on his not on his clothes. He didn't say anything about his clothes. He said his countenance, his facial features. Read. Or on the height of his stature. Don't look at how tall he is. Because I have refused because him. Because I've refused him. But the Lord seeth because not as God man Because God doesn't see what? As man seeth. As Man see everyone say as man seeth. God doesn't see as man seeth. Uh huh. For man looketh on man the outward appearance. Man looks on the outward appearance. But the Lord looketh the Lord on looks. the heart. Now this whole this whole passage has nothing to do with outward holiness standards. It has everything to do with the choosing of a king. The first king of Israel was Saul, who stood head and shoulders above the rest. And now the prophet is looking for a replacement for Saul. So what does he do? He looks for somebody built like Saul. And God said, don't do that. Because when it comes to looking for a king, I don't care what he looks like. That's the way you're looking at it, but it's not the way I'm looking at it. We've already picked a man who looked like a warrior, and he failed. So now we're going to pick somebody whose heart is right, and only God knows the heart. So he's not saying that he doesn't care about the outside. He's saying he doesn't pick people based on their physical appearance. 
But don't think for a minute that God doesn't care. I'm going to tell you the fact is holiness, this distinction between us and the world is a vital part of our worship to God. Psalm 29 verse 2. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Uh-huh. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord the beauty of in holiness. the beauty of holiness. Listen, worship is not just raising our hands, running the aisles, jumping up and down. But worship is the way we dress. It's the way we walk. It's the way we talk. It's the fact that we are separate from the rest of the world. We don't think like them. We don't act like them. We don't go where they go. We don't do what they do. That's the way we worship God every day. Psalm 96 and 9 repeats oh, this. Oh, worship the Lord. Oh, worship the Lord. In the beauty of holiness. In the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Hallelujah. God does care. God does care about how we look. It does matter to God. God wants there to be a distinction. But let me tell you, even if, even if we were to accept your faulty premise, that God doesn't care. I want to tell you, we've still got more than enough reason to be separate from this world. Because 1 Samuel 16, 7, you repeated it, said, man looketh on the outward appearance. Who are we trying to reach? Men. How are they going? They can't see your heart. They don't know what's in your heart. There's only one way that people can look and determine whether we are saved or not saved, and that's by looking at the outside. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If I'm ever out here uh, on the street and I get in trouble, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to look for somebody in a blue uniform. You know why they wear that blue uniform? So that anybody and everybody can know I'm an officer of the law. I want anybody in trouble to know exactly who I am. Hello? Well, praise God. When I go into the hospital, I want to be able to tell the difference between the doctor and the janitor. Well, if the doctor started dressing like a janitor and the janitor started dressing like a doctor. But you see, we can tell by looking at the outside. Are you hearing me tonight? The same thing is true when somebody in this world reaches a crisis in their life and they've got a problem and they need somebody to pray for them. I want them to be able to look. They can't see my heart, but I want them to be able to take a look at me and say there's something different about his appearance. That must be one of them. Listen, I am proud to be a part of New Life Pentecostal Church. I don't mind wearing the uniform. I want the world to know this is where I go. Well, I'm, 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 I'm trying to come to a close, but I, I, Sister Merriman, I hope you don't mind me. Relating this, Brother Merriman's not here, um, or I'd just tell him he'll accept it or else. But I'm going to tell you something. When Brother Sister Merriman moved into the Kansas City area, they visited another oneness Jesus name church not too far from here. Brother Merriman's testimony to me was, he said when he got there, people started saying to him and his family, oh, you go to Brother Riggins' church, don't you? He had never even met me. He didn't know anything about me. But everybody there thought he was from this church. And he told his wife, he said, I don't know where Brother Riggins' church is, but evidently that's where we belong. Well, you know what? I want everybody to know you're from this church. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not embarrassed by that. I want them to know this is where you go. He put each and every one of you in this church and I want the world to know you go right here. You belong right here. We might do things differently than some other assemblies.
Well, hallelujah. All right, all right. So we gotta we gotta let God know we worship him in the beauty of holiness. We need to let men know they should be able to see the outward appearance and recognize an immediate difference. There's another reason. This is also from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And this is my final scripture, so this I'm giving you hope. Sister Becca, you can come pick out some song. Hallelujah. Now, Brother Jared told me what songs they were going to sing tonight, and, and he told me that we were going to sing I'm on the battlefield, and I said, that's good because it really applies to what I'm saying. Let me tell you how it applies. When I'm out there, if I, if I were in the armed services, I would want to know who's on my side and who's on the enemy's side. And you know how I know? I can tell by the uniform they've got on. Well, hallelujah. That's how I know who's fighting with me and who's fighting against me because of the way they look. It's as simple as that. So we're singing, I'm on the battlefield with my Lord. Well, then let's wear the Lord's uniform. Be a part of the new life battalion. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, all right. There is something else. Not only God and men. 1 Corinthians 11 and 10. Listen to this. For this cause, For this cause ought the woman ought the woman, the woman to, have to have power, power on her, her head, head because of the angels. Because of the angels. Now, this, this whole chapter here, he's dealing, remember, he's dealing with men having long hair. Uh, men should not have long hair and women uh, should not have short hair. And he's saying one of the reasons why women ought to have long hair is because of the angels. The angels ought to be able to... See, the angels can't see our heart either. Only God can see the heart. But you know what? When I'm about to be in an accident, I want the angel of God to know I'm one of his. I want there to be a clear distinction... So even the angels can see it. And furthermore, do you know what demons are? They're fallen angels. So we not only dress separately for God's angels, but we dress separately so that the fallen angels will also know who we are and who we belong to. Well, hallelujah. I want the devil to know I'm not a part of his team. I don't want him to think I'm on his team. I don't want him to think I'm rooting for his team. I want him to know I'm against everything his team stands for. And I want the angels of God to know I am on their team. I'm standing on God's side. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. I don't want there to be an identity crisis at New Life Pentecostal Church. I want us to declare openly who we are by displaying the distinction of separation. Let's stand and lift our hands to the Lord tonight. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Come on. I want to be separate. I want to be separate. I want to be separate for God's sake, for man's sake, for the angel's sake, and for the devil's sake. I want to be separate. I want it to be clear whose side I'm fighting on. Anybody else feel that way tonight? I want to display the distinction. Well, hallelujah. I don't want anybody wondering. I don't want them wondering if I'm a man. 
And I don't want them wondering if I'm a sinner. Hallelujah. Praise God. I don't want them wondering. I want to declare it. I want to make the distinction and make it obvious. Oh, let's, let's praise him one more time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus.